get you hyped up, check your pulse. Man, I'm excited to be with you guys today. Good morning. Let me just echo what Scott and Mike said earlier. If this is your first, second, or third time at Next Level, welcome. And we are so glad that you're here. Something um, today hopefully will add value to your life in, in some way, shape, or form. And that is totally, totally our heart. You guys, i got to be honest with you. I'm so excited to be here. I can hardly stand it. And it's not because I was drinking Red Bull before church. I promise. Uh, There's so many things, that, that just amazing things that God is doing. Last Sunday, you remember, we prayed for another one of our missionaries, Luke and Sandy Walters. Um, who minister in Sri Lanka and are just just doing some amazing things in the nation of Sri Lanka in the 1040 window just for Jesus, just amazing stuff. And you recall last week that um, we mentioned that his wife got some negative results on a mammogram that she went in for. And then the very same week, their son Andy, I think I prayed for him as Luke last week. I think his name was actually Andy. Um, totally glad God knows. Otherwise, it's like, Wow! <laughs> Missed an opportunity. So Andy, who is a part of the football team at Air Force Academy, um, they found, he went in for a torn ACL thing, and they found a tumor at the end of his, his femur bone, and we prayed for that as well. And on Wednesday night, I got a text message from Luke that said, um, Sandy went back in for, for more tests, and they all came back negative, and so she is totally fine. Yes. Hallelujah. And then they flew from their home in Louisiana out to Colorado Friday morning to be with Andy when they went back to the doctor on that. And they found out that the tumor was benign in his leg, so he doesn't have to have surgery, nothing. <laughs> Woo! Awesome. Wow. Wow. Thank you, God, that though we don't understand it all the time, you still heal us. You still touch us. God, thank you that you did a work in this family. Continue to push them forward in Sri Lanka. God, push them forward, we pray. Amen. So that's totally exciting. Um, I'm pretty excited this morning because uh, our staff, as well as a few other leaders from Next Level, went up to Atlanta, Georgia this week. And um, we're at a conference called the Catalyst Conference. And there were 11,000 people there who are like next generation leaders. And um, just some amazing, amazing speakers who are like heroes of mine. Um, Andy Stanley was there. He spoke twice. John Maxwell was there. He spoke. Craig Rochelle, who is LifeChurch.tv, just ridiculous great communicator. Um, Rick Warren was there um, at the end of the first day, spoke the last session. And I don't know, but if you see my face around, can you pick it up for me? Because he rocked my face off. <laughs> just ridiculous. So we're just so filled up on God and just excited about what God is doing. It's exciting to be in a room with 11,000 other people who are as passionate about Jesus and his movement on the earth as we are. And uh, it was just, it was just, it was just awesome. So this is part two of Fuel for Life, and that's what all of the noise um, is about in that video. Is we're excited because this is our our big fall series, and we're just pushing forward here. Uh, and we're talking about the fuel for life. Last week we kicked it off and, and basically said that Jesus is the fuel for life, and kind of took the the whole energy drink, extreme sports theme on this one. T-shirts I think are still available. Scott said so. Uh, it's just been incredible. And last week we kicked off the series by talking about the fact that um, with with an energy drink. The thing that, if Jesus is like an energy drink, so to speak, and we'll call him the fuel for life, then when you pop the top, you enter into a whole can of possibilities and opportunities and things that you never even dreamed were possible. And last week we kicked off the series by talking about the fact that faith pops the top to the fuel for life, who is Jesus. And when we step across that line, when we, when we push forward in our heart in faith, that we step across the line and we pop the top on this whole deal. So, of course, in preparation for this, I've been doing a lot of research, as a matter of fact, on energy drinks 
and which doesn't work well when you're trying to stay clean. And here's what I found out. Um, I found out that energy drinks are all made somewhere. So this is um, Full Throttle, which is where we stole the logo for the series from. This is produced by Coca-Cola, and so it's manufactured in Atlanta, Georgia. This is the um, one we mentioned last week, the Jeff Gordon energy drink produced by Pepsi, and it is made in New York State, which I think is interesting. The Rockstar Party Like a Rockstar energy drink. This is made in Las Vegas. Imagine that. Really? Although I did notice in like the smallest font I've ever seen, it says dietary supplement. Come on, who are we kidding? Um, this one is made in Connecticut. Monster is made in Corona, California. So every, every one of these energy drinks is produced and made somewhere. And so this morning, I'm so excited to share this one concept with us this morning because as we're examining the fuel for life, we're looking, we're going inside the can in this series and we pop the top with faith and we're looking into the claims of Jesus through the eyes of, of a guy named Peter who was one of the closest people to Jesus during his ministry on earth. That I want, us, I want to show us one, principle this morning that is absolutely gripping my heart right now, and it's blowing my mind. So, so we're in the book of First Peter. If you have your Bible, turn to First Peter chapter 1, and I want us to look something, but, but while we're setting that up, let me just say this. Just like these energy drinks, here's what I think. I think that where we're from matters. I think that where we're from matters, and those of you who know me and have kind of heard my story for a while, you know I'm, I'm an Indiana boy, and I tell everybody, being from Indiana, Indiana's a great place to be from. Uh, I'm glad everybody's got to live somewhere, and I'm glad I live here. But I was born and raised in Indiana, and I wouldn't say that I was raised on a farm. Um, I, we, we lived in the country. Any of my city friends growing up, they said, yeah, bro, you live on a farm. We had three and a half acres of land, which is not a big farm. Uh, but, and we had a barn, and we raised a horse. And we had a horse named Big Red. Because when you're from Indiana, it's all about Big Red. Go Big Red. So um, we raised a cow one time. His name was George. We butchered him. <laughs> but we didn't have a farm. <laughs> Mom, what happened to George? Shut up and eat your hamburger. <laughs> Got it. So... See, we had, we, um, we had the, we had what I, I will characterize as some, um, some interesting dinner table, uh, um, quirks, which quirky is kind of like the Christian word for weird, because we know that it would be really mean and unspiritual to call somebody weird, so instead in Christian circles, we call them quirky. So I recognized that on a, uh, we had some, some quirky dinner table stuff. Um, but see, here's the thing about where you're from. Where you're from defines how you act. And, so, and where you're from defines normal. It's how you define normal. So, like, I thought it was normal that dinner was served at 5.30 prompt every night, whether you're home or not. Didn't matter how many friends you had. 5.30, dinner's on the table. I, I thought it was normal, because of where I'm from, that, that every meal you had a stack on a little plate, a stack of white bread. <laughs> slices, like eight or ten slices of white bread and a stick of butter. I, I, I thought that was 
just normal. My grandfather lived with us um, for several years before he died. And he was originally from Indianapolis and then um, moved in with us for five or six years, I think. Um, all through like my high school years. So I grew up having my grandfather. His name's William. We named my first son, Will, after him. Um, just It was so cool to have Grandpa living with us. But I can remember, he always called himself a guest at our house. He never wanted to admit that he actually lived there. You know why? Because he knew where you're from matters. He didn't want to be from where we were from. So I can remember my grandpa sitting at so many dinner tables, and I would, like, come in from school or something or some activity, and I'd have a hat on, and I'd sit down. And in his home in Indianapolis was 6042 was his address, 6042 Indianola Avenue, 6042 Indianola Avenue. And so I would come in, and I'd sit down at the table, and I'd have a hat on. And my grandpa, who's like 90 years old, would lean up on the table, and he'd go, Young man, at 6042, we don't wear hats at the table. <laughs> and I'd take off my hat, and to this day, in my house, we don't wear hats at the table. It's just like, hey, can you take your hat off? It's just, why? Because where you're from matters. See, where we're from determines how we act. Where we're from defines normal. For us, I can remember, um, I love to sing, and so I would come in and sit down at the dinner table, I'd be singing or something, and my grandfather would lean up and he'd go, Matthew, at 6042, we don't sing at the table. <laughs> and I can remember one time, I look back at my grandpa and I go, well, at 3908, we do. <laughs> See, where we're from matters because... Because where we're from determines how we act. Where we're from, we define normal based on where we're from. And check this out. When someone is not from where we're from, then what they do can seem weird. Can it? Like, I didn't even realize this until I, like, started dating my wife. or She was my girlfriend then, and she came over, and she's like, you realize that not everybody has dinner every night at 530, right? What, what, and the stack of bread thing, she said, we've never done that in my house. And I'm serious, I'm like, what are you, what? Wait, and my mom always made everybody have a glass of 2% milk. But see, when someone's not from where we're from, then it can, what they do can seem strange, and what we do can seem strange to them. I went to the DR two summers ago, we were with Mark, we took a trip down there, and I'm totally pumped about next summer as well. And, okay, we think people drive bad in Florida, What's up now? That's strange. I went to England in 1994. Why don't they heat their buildings in England? That's not normal. I had to wear my coat everywhere. It was the middle of February. It's ridiculous, right? Why? Because I'm not from there. And see, when someone's not from where we're from, then what they do can seem strange to us. Why? Because where we're from matters. Just ask newlyweds who spend their first holidays at their in-law's house. They will tell you. Okay, here's a secret, and please don't tell my mom this, because, uh, no, it's cool. Let her listen to the CD. Surprise! I totally, like, anyway, I'm in so much trouble for telling the story. Thanksgiving at my house, you know how I grew up? As normal? Okay, number one, like, we have everybody, Thanksgiving is the holiday in our family, and everybody comes in from all over, so we'll have, like, 20 or 30, 35 people in our house for Thanksgiving, and they cook the food, and they get the food all ready on Thanksgiving Day, and then, like, at 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock, whenever lunch is supposed to be served, we'll lay out all of this hot food on the tables, and then we circle up, and we stand around, and we sing hymns. Songs like, we gather together. 
over the river and through the woods. I didn't even know that was a hymn. <laughs> it's in your hymnal. Come on, turn to page 384 right now. No way. <laughs> gotcha. Somebody like, <gasps> next level. Um, it, then we take a basket with an ear of corn and we pass it around and everybody has to break off the ear of corn and say something you're thankful for. The food is hot. It's sitting on the table and the ritual goes on for like an hour. There's singing, there's corn, there's peeling. Of course, the whole time you're peeling off the kernels, you're thinking, what happens when we get to the end of the kernel of the corn and the ear and it's all bald? We are not going to be thankful because this thing's going to be pathetic looking. So as a little kid, I grew up thinking this was normal, that this is where I'm from. And so I define normal like the and, and, and. And shh, don't tell my mom. Every year, she dresses up. She's a school teacher, and so she says it's normal. I know better now. <laughs> she alternates. One year a pilgrim, the next year an Indian. <laughs> that explains so much about me, doesn't it? <laughs> So Sarah, we start dating and she comes over for the holidays and she's like, you know that this is not normal, right? Do you get it? That not everybody's, nobody else's mom on the planet dresses up. See, where we're from matters. And this morning, I want us to grab a hold of one principle. And Peter talks about it in one verse, verse 17, in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 17. If you have your Bible, you can look at it in your Bible. If you don't, it's on the verse, or it's on the screens around me. Uh, because he makes a statement in here, and it's actually a secondary statement that he makes. But this is so, this, this one verse, this one phrase, this one concept has the ability to absolutely change our lives if we'll grab a hold of it. If we can get this, you guys, this will absolutely change our life. Look at what he says. He says, since you call on a father, he's talking to, remember who he's talking to? He's talking to a group of people who are being persecuted big time. Why? Because they have popped the top of faith on the field for life. They've stepped across the line. They put their faith in Jesus Christ. They started living how God wants them to live in the life in, on the earth. And because of it, they're being persecuted big time. And so, so Peter writes to them. And in verse 17, he says, since you call upon, upon a father who judges each person's work impartially. In other words, since you're now serving a God, because you've entered into the field for life, because you've entered into a relationship with Jesus, you're now serving a God who doesn't judge the world, doesn't look at the world the way the world looks at the world or judges the world. He says, God, this God that you serve, this fuel for life, he looks at the world impartially, and you're living in a world that's, that views the world differently than that. And so he says this, since you call upon a father who judges these persons work impartially, and then look at this next phrase, and this, this has the power to change our life. Oh, God, help me say this right. He, he writes, live out your time here on earth as foreigners. He says, I got to get you to understand something. You got to understand that when you pop the top of faith and you engage with the fuel for life who is Jesus, that where you're from changes. He says, 
now that you're living here on earth, you're foreigners. And see, there's actually this pattern throughout the entire New Testament. And Peter picks it up, and James picks it up, and the Apostle Paul picks it up. And over and over again, we begin to see this pattern where they start referring to those of us who are in relationship with Jesus as foreigners here on earth. When you go back to the original language, that word foreigner actually means resident alien. One who resides for a time in a different place that is not their permanent home. There's this other word that Paul uses. He says citizenship. He writes and he says, don't you know that your citizenship, now that you're engaged with Jesus, now that, that you're in relationship with Jesus, you got to know something. you got to know that your citizenship changed. Peter says, we're not from here any longer. When we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, our citizenship, our permanent residence changes from earth to heaven. That it, that it changes, that, that our residence changes. We're no longer citizens of earth and foreigners of heaven. We're now citizens of heaven and foreigners on earth. And Peter says, I want you to understand that the way you live your life here is different because your citizenship has changed. Have you, have you ever looked at somebody who was just really spiritual and just really loved God and just was such a follower of Christ and they were just awesome, you admired their life, and like they start sharing with you how much, you know, they pray or how often they read their Bible or some other spiritual discipline deal. And have you ever looked on their life and went, are you serious? How, how much? How, how often? And, and you thought to yourself, that's, that's abnormal to me. Or, have you, have you ever, now that you, you are in relationship with Jesus, have you ever noticed that the stuff that used to seem normal and okay and permissible and all right in your life, starts to change and places you go and things that you do stuff that you consume things relationships that you'd have things you do inside of relationships that you had that that all of a sudden the minute you moved into a relationship with Jesus Christ you started to feel this this strange thing that all of a sudden that doesn't that doesn't mean as much to me anymore that doesn't mean the same it doesn't have the same effect on me Anymore. Have you ever wondered why? See, I think that Peter would say the reason why is because your citizenship has changed. Because, see, watch, here's, here's the idea. When where we're from changes, so does normal. And so to the person that we've looked on and we've thought, man, oh man, you read your Bible, how much? You, do, you pray, what? You do, you do all of these from earthly citizenship perspectives, these weird, quirky, crazy things. Could it be that that person simply understands that their citizenship has changed now? And so the stuff of heaven is now normal and the stuff of earth is now foreign. 
And could it be that for some of us, as we've engaged with this Jesus, we begin to look around our life and see those areas, those things that used to just be everything to us, used to matter so much, and I can't, we look now and we go, it doesn't mean anything. Well, you know why? Because your citizenship has changed. See, when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, our citizenship, our address, our permanent address gets moved from earth to heaven. And Peter says that will affect the way we live. See, when where we're from changes, so does normal. You guys, I want so desperately for us to be able to grab a hold of this concept. I want so desperately for us to be able to grab this. And here's the reason why. Because, because I think that when we make this shift in our mind from stopping seeing ourselves as citizens of earth and heavenly things are foreign to us to being citizens of heaven and the stuff of earth becomes foreign to us, I think three things will happen. The first thing that I think we'll find beginning to happen is we'll take a more temporary view of earthly stuff. We'll begin to take a more temporary view of, earth, or of earthly stuff. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 19. Look what he said. He said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, listen, that's, that's the temporary stuff. Don't, don't. Don't spend all your time storing up treasures and, and stuff here on earth because you're just foreigners. This is the foreigner part. Your true citizenship is in heaven. Verse 20, he goes on and he says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. He says, that's the eternal stuff. He says, listen, if you can grab a hold of this reality that you're now a citizen of heaven and a foreigner, a resident alien here on earth for just a short period of time, it will change how you view the temporary earthly stuff of your life. There was um, one of the pastors in our group of churches we used to be part of. And she and her husband would do a lot of traveling and they traveled to foreign countries a lot and do ministry. And I can remember as a teenager, um, my mother-in-law telling stories about how this pastor's wife, when she travels somewhere, she'd find a piece of art or she'd find, you know, an artifact or some kind of pottery or something. And that she would, would see it and she'd purchase it and then she'd ship it home. And I can remember being a teenager, hearing that story and thinking to myself, that is so strange. Because when I buy something, I want to play with it right now. And I can remember thinking, why would she do that? I mean, why not just take it back to your hotel and be like, wow, look what I bought. This is so awesome. Well, see, she understood what Jesus is talking about. She understood that the, the true beauty of that artwork, the true beauty of that, of that pottery, the true beauty of that thing would not be found in the hotel room. The true beauty would be displayed in her home. Everything she did in the foreign country, she did with the home in mind. And so she would, she would ship it home so that when she got back there, it, was, it would be easier to display its true beauty. 
And see, that's what I think Jesus is talking about as he says, listen, if you can really grab a hold of this idea that your citizenship is in heaven and you are a foreigner here on earth for just a short period of time, it will change the way you view temporary earthly stuff. Is it any wonder that that guys like James could write in the Bible and say, count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into various trials of many kinds? Count it all joy. We read that and we go, what? What are you smoking, dude? Are you kidding me? Count it all joy when my life bites? Count it all joy when I fall into various trials? What are you talking about? Could it be that these guys understood that their citizenship is not on earth, their citizenship is in heaven? And so they looked at the temporary momentary trials. Peter's writing to a group of people who are being persecuted for their faith. And he writes to them and he says, this stuff you're facing is no big deal. You know why? Because this isn't your home. So Jesus engages. Verse 21, he actually takes it a step further. He says, listen, when you get this whole earthly stuff thing figured out and you take a different view of that, it's actually connected to your heart. Look, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, listen, there, there's a heart connection in this whole deal that if we can grab a hold of the reality that we are citizens of heaven and foreigners on earth and not citizens of earth and foreigners of heaven, it'll affect the way we view our stuff and it'll affect our heart. As well, here's, here's the second thing that I think it will do for us, too. We'll, we'll begin to take a more eternal view of people. We'll begin to take a more eternal view of people. If it's true that we are eternal beings, then it is equally true that we as eternal beings will all spend eternity somewhere. And see, watch this. I think seeing ourselves as citizens of heaven and foreigners of earth will change the way we interact with people. I was having a conversation with Mark just last night when he got into our house. And I told him, I said, bro, you're my hero. And here's the reason why. Because you are giving your life in a third world country and you are doing something that I could not do, that I am not called to do. And you're doing it willingly. And I said that... And the reason why you're doing it is because you have an eternal view of people. That they really do matter to God. That they really are eternal beings and that every single person on the planet will spend eternity somewhere. And I was able to say to Mark last night, that makes you my hero. The fact that you're willing to go and do that and carry that kind of perspective to see yourself as a resident alien in another land. That's why we call him a missionary. Well, guess what? If it's true that we're citizens of heaven now, 
permanent residents and foreigners on earth, then guess what? That makes all of us missionaries here. We are no less foreigners living in Southwest Florida than Mark is living in the Dominican Republic. Do you see it? Do you see how it changes it? Do you see how all of a sudden tomorrow morning driving to your office changes when we begin to grasp this perspective? Do you see how facing the trial that you're facing begins to change when we begin to see that this isn't all that there is? When I die, this isn't the end. That there is an eternity and there is an eternity with a heavenly father in a heavenly place that's amazing. And that's my citizenship. Do you see how that matters tomorrow morning? Because now you and I, as foreigners, resident aliens of this place, get to be missionaries. And you're a missionary in your school. And you're a missionary in your office. And you're a missionary in your neighborhood. And you're a missionary at Little League baseball practice. Because our time here is short. And this isn't our permanent home anymore see I think it'll change our view of temporary earthly stuff I think it'll change our view of people and third I think it'll change our view of God we'll take a more realistic view of God I I don't know about you but it's easy for me to forget that God exists on a daily basis Craig Rochelle spoke at this conference this week and his whole message was called practical atheism And he defined practical atheism as this. We believe in God, but we live like he doesn't exist. Let that sink in. To be a practical atheist today means that we believe in God, but we don't live like he actually exists. And can I be honest with you? I can get so busy in my daily life, in my daily business, in my daily to-do list, in my daily stuff, that I become a practical atheist. Oh no, I believe it. I, 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 I believe, yes, got it, got it. But I gotta get stuff done. Uh, no God, I, I got it, but I got a to-do list too. The prayer I've been praying for some time now is, God, would you help me? Maybe I'll blog about this. God, would you help me to see you in the moments of my day? See, I think God loves the game hide and seek. Because I think God loves to hide from us in our daily life just to see if we'll seek him just to see if we'll hunt him out, just to see if if he'll show up at that lunch appointment, just to see if he'll show up in that interaction across the office. I think God loves to hide from us because he wants so desperately for us to seek him. Why? Because he wants us to realize that he is so real, that he is so powerful, and that he is so right now. 
He's so into our daily lives. He's so into what's going on in our life. He's so into that email. He's so into your thought processes. He's so into your drive time. He's so into what you're doing in your life. God is so real, and he wants us to change our perspective, and he's willing to hide from us if he needs to so that we may seek and find him daily in our life and not just forget about him. See, I think if we could really begin to grasp this reality that we are citizens not of this planet any longer, but we are permanent residents of heaven as sons and daughters of God, it would change the way we view God on a daily basis. We went to Atlanta this week. Stayed in a hotel for three nights. Guess what? I can't even tell you the color of the walls of my hotel room. I can't tell you about the artwork that was on the walls or what the bedspread looked like. I can't... I can't tell you the name of the street that the hotel was located on. I can't even, I can barely remember the room number. You know why? Because it's temporary. (laughs) See, here's, here's what I think. I think I did not walk into my hotel room this week going, oh, these walls are hideous. We got to do something about this. And that artwork, oh. I just was like, whatever. I, you know what? I don't care. You know why? Because this is just temporary. I'm just a foreigner here. I'm just passing through. So I'm not down at the front desk going, excuse me, excuse me. I don't like the color of the walls. Excuse me. Can you change the painting? Excuse me. Those aren't mowing faucets. Excuse me. Can you do... Ask me about the color of my home. I'll tell you why we chose every color in our house. Ask me about the artwork. I'll tell you why I think it goes here and why it accents this view from, from, from my lanai. Ask me about my home. My kids can tell you what street we live on. Why? Because that's our permanent residence. And stuff there matters, but stuff in the hotel doesn't matter because I'm just a foreigner. And yet how many of us live our lives on a daily basis Worried sick about the color of the walls in a hotel room. And we've lost this eternal perspective. We've lost this whole thing where we begin to actually realize this is not my home. These present and momentary trials that you're facing, count them all joy. Why? Because you're a citizen of heaven. And the only reason God left you here after you accepted him and came into relationship is so you could get people who are citizens of earth to become citizens of heaven too. But instead, we hole up in our hotel. We want to move the furniture. We want to get new furniture. We want to to spend all of this time and energy on the hotel room. And God is silently throughout our day peeking around his hiding place going, this is not your home. This is not your home. This is not your home. We're citizens of heaven. And foreigners on earth for a short time. Because there are people who are citizens of earth and foreigners of heaven, and it needs to be the other way around. That's why we're here. People.
people matter to God. That's why Mark and Stephanie 12 years ago left their home, their citizenship, their residence in the United States and moved to the Dominican Republic because they had a passion for people there. And I'm asking us this morning that God would break our hearts as Next Level Church for the lost and the hopeless and the hurting and the dying of our community. That we'd stop seeing ourselves as residents of earth and start seeing ourselves as foreigners, as missionaries to this place. Can we pray together this morning? All across this room, let's just bow our heads for a moment because I want to ask you a question. Where's your citizenship? Where are you a citizen of? Because it's very, very possible that you've come into this place and you're not in relationship with the fuel for life, with Jesus. That you've never stepped across that line and popped the top and put your faith in Him. And therefore, your citizenship is here on earth. But see, Jesus tells us that it's a free gift, that it's, it is a coming across that line, a changing of address, a changing of residence, a changing of our citizenship. And stepping into relationship with God makes us a son or a daughter of God. Where's your citizenship? If your citizenship, if you don't know for sure that it's in heaven, Jesus wants to take care of that this morning. And so I'm just going to invite you right now. I'm going to count to three. When I hit three, will you just lift, lift your hand? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you out. I, I promise. I just want to give you a chance to have an outside expression of what God's doing in your heart. To say, you know what? I, that's me. I want to step into that. I want my citizenship to be in heaven from now on. One, two, three. Awesome, 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 awesome. All across this room, hands up are going all over. Awesome, great, thank you. Once you put it up, you can put it back down. Are there others? You'll just say, yeah, Matt, that's me. I want my citizenship to be in heaven. Is there anybody else? Just right now, just take this opportunity. Just for, I'll hesitate just for a moment. This is your now. This is your moment to pop the top, put your faith in Christ and say thank you for loving me enough to die on a cross so I could be forgiven of you. Forgiven of my sin and be in relationship with you. Father, you see so many hands that were raised this morning. And Lord, right now where we're seated in the stillness of this moment, we pause. And we acknowledge that we are citizens of this earth that we have been living for self, we've been living to please others, we've been living for something other than you, and in your eyes, that's an imperfection. That's what the Bible calls sin. And so, Father, right now, we just acknowledge that, that that sin has separated us from you, and, Lord, it has required that we are citizens of earth and foreigners of heaven. But, God, right now, in the stillness of this moment, we just acknowledge right where we're seated that we want you to be Lord of our life. We want you to forgive us of our sin, restore relationship, and change our citizenship. Father, thank you that we can just come to you right now and just all we have to do is ask. Step across that line in our heart, pop the top in faith, and say thank you, Jesus, that what you've done for me is enough to make me a citizen of heaven.
God, I pray for these that have lifted their hand that from this moment on they would never consider themselves a citizen of earth again, but they would see themselves as a foreigner here for a temporary time, a resident alien, but a citizen of heaven, a son and a daughter of God. Lord, thanks for coming into their life and making yourself real today. In Jesus' name, all across this room, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Let's stand together this morning. I want to ask you one final question. How will your life be different now that you know this? Because see, it's one thing to know something. It's another thing to act on what we know. So my question for you this morning is, what are you going to do about it? What changes do you need to make in your life that reflect the fact that you are no longer a citizen of earth, but you are a citizen of heaven? and a foreigner on earth for a limited time to be an effective witness and missionary to the world that we live in, in Southwest Florida. Who do you know? Who do you know? How's your daily life? Does God hide out on you? Do you need to start looking for him? Do you need to start playing hide and seek with God a little bit more? Do you need to be more intentional about that? Are you living as a practical atheist? Believing that God exists, but living a life that says he doesn't. Father, I pray for every one of us. That as we go from this place today, you would give us the boldness and the courage to live as citizens of heaven. Give us the courage to live out our time here, as Peter wrote, as foreigners, as missionaries as ambassadors of your love. God, give us the courage to have conversations with spouses. Give us the courage to have conversations with roommates. Give us the courage to recognize that where we're from has changed. And that will change how we act and it will change how we define normal. God, give us the courage to live in such a way that it resembles where we're from. In your name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. Are you glad you were next level this morning? Amen. Let's praise God. Thank you, God. Here's a question for you. When people look at your life, where do they say you're from? Maybe we need to spend this week changing that. That when people would look at our life, they go, you cannot be from this planet. You are, where are you? I, you're right. And not because you're quirky. But because you're a son and a daughter of God. May people recognize that in our lives this week. And everybody said, amen. Give three people a high five. Have a great week, everybody.